You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit jointheventure.com or facebook.com slash jointheventure. We hope you enjoy. We got this phrase we use, uh, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall when. You know that phrase? Like It means uh, if I could have just been kind of a passive listener to some conversation, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall. Like I wish I could have been a fly on the wall when um, the guys up in Philadelphia that were drafting the Declaration of Independence back in the 1770s. Wouldn't that have been awesome? Just being a fly on the wall. Or imagine being a fly on the wall when John Lennon met Paul McCartney. Imagine that. Like, oh, am I... Think about starting a band. What do you think we need? Well, we need is love, mate. I don't know. Like they started a band. That's how. Imagine those conversations, those early conversations, or the conversation. This is crazy. The guy who came into the room. If I was a fly on the wall, when the guy came in the room and and whispered on 9/11 in a George Bush's ear, Mr. President, we've been attacked. Imagine that conversation. We could have just been a passive listener. Because here's the thing. When you can listen in on people's conversation, you can learn a lot about people's personalities, about their character, about their priorities. You ever accidentally heard something that you heard somebody say that you know that if they knew you were listening, they, they wouldn't have said. If we could just hear in those conversations. When I was a kid, we had these kind of conversations called A-B conversations. Do you remember those? This is an A-B conversation, so... See your way out. You remember that? It's like, in other words, this is private. Don't be a fly on the wall right now because this is private. And most conversations are private. Most of them happen between, you know, two or more people. And it's not very public. But there are some public conversations. There are, there are interviews. We've got so many videos online and on TV that we can watch. History books are full of conversations that have since become public conversations. And so the same thing is true when you look in the Bible. Uh, you see all kinds of great conversations, conversations between God and prophets, conversations between kings and other great leaders. And in my opinion, some of the most interesting conversations are the conversations between Jesus and someone else. Because in these conversations, we can see the types of people that Jesus hung out with, the things that he would say, the types of questions that they would answer, that he, they would ask him, that he would answer, and the types of impressions that those people must have had of Jesus. So today we're starting this new teaching series, as we've said several times already this morning, Conversations with Jesus. And the goal is, it's going to get us about halfway through the summer. We're going to spend six weeks looking through the New Testament of the Bible at different times when people had conversations with Jesus. Uh, and looking at the types of people they talked to, the scenarios they were in, and where it went along those lines. And all of these lessons are going to be coming from the four Gospels. And so uh, if you know the Bible or if you don't, I just want to just kind of remind everybody, the Bible is divided into two major sections. There's the Old Testament of the Bible that basically deals with history uh, leading up to the time of Jesus' life. It's the history of the Jewish nation and how that came to be and, and how it moved along. And then the New Testament of the Bible is basically things dealing with the time of Jesus and thereafter. And the four first books of the New Testament are called the Gospels, and they're essentially biographies of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, biographies of the life of Jesus. So we're going to be looking at, through some of those. And today, we're just a fly on the wall. We're buzzing around. We just came in through a window. We landed in this room, and just like a fly, we don't know what happened before this moment, but we're going to rock, walk right into a moment where Jesus is having a conversation with a guy named Nicodemus. 
If you've got a Bible today, uh, flip it open or click it on and scroll down to John chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, we give them away for free. Make sure you leave today uh, with a Bible if you don't have one. And also the scripture is going to be on the screen behind me. We're going to be in John chapter 3 and we're going to be getting through a good chunk of John chapter 3 as we look at this conversation that Jesus had with a guy named Nicodemus. And so we're fly on the wall. We've landed. Let's see what we hear. John chapter 3 starting at verse 1. It says, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus. He was also a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. That's our introduction to our characters. Most, most conversations have at least two people in the conversation, unless you're a little bit crazy. But it's okay. You can talk to the guy in the mirror if you want to. But we're going to meet these two people uh, one by one. Let's start with Nicodemus. Nicodemus. We don't know much on the backstory of Nicodemus. Uh, I don't know who his mother was. don't know where he grew up. don't know what his favorite color was. But in this sentence, we can learn two very important things about Nicodemus. The first one is this, that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Pharisees, a, a, a thing that you hear about a lot in the New Testament. The Pharisees were, uh, they were basically kind of like our version of a conservative political party, maybe like the Republican Party, uh, except they were a religious sect, a religious party. And in early, uh, in the first century in Judaism, there really wasn't a whole lot of difference between religion and politics because it was a, it was a religion-driven society. And so the political leaders in the city were also the religious leaders in the city. So we know that he was a Pharisee. And so when you think about Pharisees, something that's really important to understand is that the way that they interpreted God's law and they read the Old Testament was very legalistically. They went by the book, they went every point, every line, every dot, and they had to get it exactly right. And there was no interpretation beyond what's literally written on the page. And so when you think Pharisee, I just want you to kind of think two things. The first thing is legalistic. And the second thing is powerful. Because as kind of this uh, pseudo-political party, they were in power at the time. There were a lot of them. So we know that he was a Pharisee. The second thing we know about him was this. He was part of the Jewish ruling council. And we're not talking about um, you know, city council or the school board. It wasn't kind of a smaller level ruling council. It was big time for the nation of Israel. Uh, he was one of the members of what's called the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was 70 men who were leaders in the community. There were the, the 70 people who had been selected for this group, plus the high priest. And so you might look at the Sanhedrin as kind of like um, our, uh, like our Congress plus our Supreme Court. And that's kind of where it was. Very powerful, very influential group of men. And so here we have Nicodemus, Pharisee, member of the ruling council. That's what we know about him, okay? And he, and he comes to Jesus. So let's meet the second person in our conversation. Obviously, it's Jesus. Now, Jesus, uh, you might know some things about Jesus. As I point out these two things about Jesus that we know from this conversation and from this context, um, it might not have been something that you've really put a lot of thought into. The first one is this. Uh, we, we know that Jesus was a rabbi. Okay, Nicodemus says rabbi. He gives him that. Rabbi is a title. It's a Jewish teacher. That's what he does. And it, people followed him around and would learn from him. But he was not your typical rabbi. See, Jesus was doing some things that other rabbis didn't do. There were other rabbis. But Jesus was kind of blowing people's minds. And so the two things that really jump out about Jesus being a rabbi, first, when Jesus spoke, people really listened and leaned in because the way that Jesus taught was different than they'd ever heard before. People would often say, that guy really speaks with authority. That was a phrase they would use time and time again. When you hear people listening to Jesus talk, he would speak 
with authority. It was as if the way he talks is like none other I've ever heard before. It's like when Michael Jordan first hit the scene and got a national spotlight playing basketball. And people were looking at Michael Jordan and be like, dang, that guy, he plays like nobody's ever played before. It's like Michael Jackson dancing and is performing. Like people looked at him and was like, man, that guy, this is unique. This has never been done before. So when people heard Jesus, it was just, Wow, he's unique. He speaks as if he has authority. So that's the first thing that I think is really unique. But there were other good rabbis, other good teachers. And so he wasn't the only one that was like just good. There was another thing about Jesus as a rabbi that no other rabbi did. And I can just say it in a word. You know what the word is? Miracles. Miracles. Jesus did miracles. Supernatural, unexplainable miracles. He healed people. He caused supernatural events. He defied physics and the common. He did miracles. Jesus, he called these acts uh, signs. He he didn't always call them miracles. He called them signs because he said, the reason I'm doing these things is to show you as a sign who I am. I'm not just trying to show off. I'm not just trying to heal people. I'm not not just a physician trying to cure cure diseases. I want you to know that I am who I say I am. And so this this major thing Jesus is doing is miracles. But I want to time out on that real quick because do you believe in miracles? I mean, we have the occasional thing that happens that we can't explain. And there's a a little girl sick at the hospital and all of a sudden she gets well and it's like, that's a miracle. But I'm not sure that that's a miracle in the sense of the things that Jesus did. Jesus did things that were completely impossible outside, uh, outside the interaction of some supernatural power. And it's difficult to believe in miracles, isn't it? Like, really? He walked on water? Really? He, He healed sick people? Really? He made blind people see? And so one of the greatest uh, strengths, and i got to be honest with you, I am a skeptic. I'm someone who digs in. I want to know the answers. I'm not just going to believe in some folklore, fairy tale mess. Like that's, I don't have time for that. So when it comes to this guy who claims to be the son of God and people are saying he does miracles, I want some evidence behind that. Are you with me on that? Like is that fair? And so here's the thing. Uh, when Jesus did miracles, he didn't just do them in, in back rooms and secret hiding places with his closest followers. And then they all agreed on their story and they all came out and said, yeah, this is what he did. He turned water into wine. There's multiple examples of Jesus doing miracles in crowds of hundreds and thousands of people. And though many of the people who had come to see him saw the miracles and they actually did believe in him and and wanted him to be who he said he was, there were a lot of people there who did not. Skeptics at worst, at best, skeptics, and at worst, people who were completely opposed to him. People who were out to get him. In fact, there were some who come to some of Jesus' events when he was speaking and tried to kill him. These were the people that also saw the miracles. And this is something that's very powerful in my personal belief in Jesus, is this. That though a lot of people ask the question, how did Jesus do miracles? Nobody asked the question, did he do the miracles? Because the people who saw him said, yeah, I saw it. Did you see what Nicodemus said? Nicodemus said, by the way, Nicodemus is one of the Pharisees who is part of the faction who is kind of anti-Jesus at this time. He says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform signs that you're doing if God were not with him. This is one example, and there's lots of examples of people who are opposed to Jesus but coming forward and saying, man, this is incredible. We saw you do this thing. So many other leaders like Nicodemus came to talk to Jesus. Most of them did it in public, and they did it really to ridicule him and to call him out and to make him look foolish. But Nicodemus does something kind of interesting here. It says that he came at night. 
Many other people came to expose Jesus in the daylight, and Nicodemus says, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to put a spotlight on you and pick on you in the daytime hours. What I want to do is come to you in the evening when it's just me and you so we can have a serious conversation for an inquiring mind. And so that's the introduction. So I want to get into the conversation a little bit. I am going to interrupt because that's kind of what I'm doing here. Um, but John chapter 3, verse 3 continues the conversation. After the introductions, Jesus goes right into this thing. He says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Have you ever been part of a conversation where you thought you knew what we were talking about? And then all of a sudden, the person you're talking to just is talking about something different. And you're like, uh, uh, you lost me there, bro. Like, I thought we were just talking like, nice to meet you. Good to see you. I heard about your miracles. And then Jesus goes in this thing. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of heaven unless you've been born again. Nicod- I can just imagine, imagine Nicodemus's face like, wait, what? Oh, I don't know why Jesus goes into this. Uh, it might have been a continuation of a conversation that had already been going on and, and just John picks up and starts writing right there. That's possible. It might have been that Jesus actually uh, knew that Nicodemus was thinking about the kingdom of God stuff. And so we actually have other stories where Jesus kind of is with a group of people and he, and, he, and he knows what they're thinking. So he just kind of answers the question that they're thinking. So maybe that's the case. I don't know. But Jesus starts out with this conversation with Nicodemus. Nicodemus gives him these props. Hey, Jesus, I heard about your miracles. It's pretty awesome that you do that and all that stuff. Maybe that's what he wanted to talk about. But Jesus jumps right into this. Very truly, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Let me explain that. Because it is a left left field topic. Uh, The kingdom of God. There's a lot of discussion about the kingdom of God in the conversations with Jesus. And I think the best way I can illustrate what just happened here is to say a couple other things. Um, music fans in the house, I love music. I've got some favorite bands. Uh, I've played in a lot of bands. And what is the thing that the super drunk person screams from the back of the room when you're in the middle of a set? What do they want to hear? Play some Skinner. Play some Freebird. If you go to a Leonard Skinner concert, what would you expect to hear? Like you didn't get your money's worth unless you heard Freebird. Right? I've got to hear Freebird. If I don't hear Freebird, this was not a Leonard Skinner concert. This was a cover band. They're fakers called the FBI. Right? If we go down to Carolina Beach and you go to Brit's Donuts, anybody hungry now? You go to Brit's Donuts, what do you expect to get? A wonderful, fluffy, glazed donut. And nothing else. That's what they got, right? That's what you expect to, to get when you get there. Here's the thing. If you had been lucky enough to go and hear Jesus speaking in one of these public forum type things that he did... You would expect to hear about the kingdom of God. Because that is what Jesus talked about. Like the first thing in many of his little sermons that he taught started like this. The kingdom of God is like this or that. And he would compare it. He'd teach this lesson over here. It's, you know, look at this thing over here. The kingdom of God is like this. And he'd go on and on about the kingdom of God. Because just as much as anybody going to a Skinner concert wants to hear some free bird, just as much as you want a nice fluffy glazed donut when you go to Brits, if you're going to talk to Jesus, what you can expect to hear about is the kingdom of God. So it's no surprise that once Nicodemus breaks the ice in this conversation, it's really cool to hear about your miracles, sir. It's nice to meet you. Thanks for taking some time with me. That Jesus jumps right into it. I tell you truly, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Maybe it's something Jesus really should be thinking about. I don't know. Nicodemus, like, are you thinking about this? I don't know. But he gets into it. Now, Nicodemus is confused, as you can imagine, because this is kind of a curveball. In verse 4, let's continue the conversation. Verse 4, he says, okay, how can someone be born when they're old? 
Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. You see, I guess it's a pretty good response here because, I mean, it's true. Like, like, once you come out of there, like, you don't go back in. I'm not going back in there. Like, it's, it's awkward. Like, it's, we've, we've been past there. Let's grow up. And so Nicodemus is trying to understand, like, okay, I just, I don't know why you're talking about being born again. I don't think that's possible. Maybe for a second, he's like, oh, you do miracles. So uh, let's not do that one tonight, Jesus. Like, I'm just not interested in that particular miracle right now. Um, so, so Jesus explains some more. He's not talking about physical birth. He's talking about something deeper, verse 5. So he's, right, yeah, yeah, I get you. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. Because flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at me saying this, that you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from. Or where it's going. So it is with everything born of the Spirit. So let's unpack this. It's kind of heavy. It's kind of crazy. Nicodemus asks about a physical birth. How can someone re-enter their mother's womb and be born again? And he may have been being sarcastic. He may have, like I said, actually believed that this is something Jesus had in mind. But whatever the case, Jesus wants to make a serious point. He says, listen, I'm not talking about being born into this world. I'm talking about being born into the kingdom of God. The phrase born again. There is so much that we could unpack from that passage. We could talk about the water and spirit question and the wind goes this way and that way, but nobody where it came from. We could, we could literally go on for a couple of hours talking about that. But instead, I want to focus on one phrase, the phrase born again, because I think it is at the crux of everything Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about right here. It's, it's a phrase that we hear a lot and it's kind of loaded today. It's something that people use to refer to Christians. You ever heard of that? Like, oh, they're a born-again type, or remember, that was the day I got born again. Have you heard that? And so, and that's, that's a good way of understanding it, born again. It's kind of a nickname for Christians, and it's largely because of this verse that Christians use that. The English phrase, born again, is a good translation, because it carries with it that English understanding of Christianity. In other words, someone who's kind of in the kingdom of God, someone who's kind of accepted uh, this whole situation with Jesus, like they've been born again. That's something that they're living within. But when Nicodemus heard this, he would have heard it more literally because it was before all the, the weight and loadedness of Christianity added to it. He just heard it literally and literally the phrase in the language they were speaking, literally the phrase was born from above, born from above. But no one can see, see the kingdom of God unless they're born from above, which kind of means born from God. You get why being born again is kind of that idea of like you've been accepted into God's kingdom or something. It's this, it's this metaphor, it's this phrase that Jesus kind of coins here and it really catches on. This is what it looks like. A, a puppy is born from a dog. A kitten is born from a cat. A human baby is born from their mother. And someone that's in the kingdom of God is born from above. Does, does that clarify that at all? This is a notation of where you're coming from. If you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born from above. We're not talking about a physical ritual here. We're talking about something spiritual. Jesus says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. The kingdom of God, listen to this. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of souls. It's not a kingdom of bodies. It's what's happening with us spiritually. It's who we're united with spiritually. Today, the kingdom of God on earth is the church. It is the people around the world who spiritually have said, I've become born into this kingdom so that I might have this interaction with the king who is God. 
Jesus didn't come to lead our hands and our feet to just do good things. He didn't come to lead us into greener pastures or bigger bank accounts or nicer cars or better jobs. Those are physical things. Does God use physical things in our lives? Well, absolutely. But that's not why he came. He came to unite our souls with God. A few years ago, I was at a, a retreat with a couple of other pastors, and we stayed at this really nice hotel. And something happened with my, uh, my registration for my hotel room. And so while I was down there, this nice lady gives me an upgrade. You ever been in a hotel or on a plane where they give you the upgrade? And you're like, yes, I was hoping for the upgrade. And so I get ex- upgraded to the executive level. Now, if you've never done this, never, I have. But if you've never done this, let me, let me tell you about it. Okay, it's like on the 20th floor or something. You're way up there, and, and they give you this special key thingy. And this is like, you're, like you get a room kingy, thingy, key thingy, but like not the special thingy to get to the executive floor. You get in the elevator, and like in the normal people, they can only get to like floor 19. But if you got the key thingy, boop, 20, it's all yours. You go up there, and it's awesome. And so I get up there, and I check out my room. and look at them, and I'm like, this is great. Like, why don't... Why aren't all hotel, hotels like this everywhere? So I call my buddies. I'm like, guys, I'm up on the executive level. You got to come up here. I mean, it's awesome. Like they got this special lounge up for up here. They got the sauna and this like pool area. There's the, the, the towels are made of mink fur and the butlers are carrying bacon. It's a ama- Okay, there's not really bacon, but it was, it was awesome. So I'm inviting my friends up to come be a part of this. And they do it. And it's really cool. Um, the thing was, the only way for anyone to get up there is if they knew someone who had the key. They knew someone who could get up there, who knew the way, and possibly who had been there before. They had to have the key thingy. It's important. The kingdom of God is a lot like that. In modern Christianity, we talk about God like he's our best friend, like he's our buddy, like he's our BFF, like, man, Jesus is my homeboy. Remember that annoying t-shirt? I have one. It's okay. Um, we, we talk about this personal relationship we can have with God, and we, and, and we toss his name around, God's name. Like it's just some other word. Can, can I just tell you something? God's name is holy, and we really shouldn't just be throwing it around. In fact, the Bible tells us that that's a sin. It actually says that. Um, and so I'm just saying, but we treat God like he's just our buddy-buddy. But can we get real for just a minute? We're talking about the sovereign, supreme creator of the universe. The ruler of billions of light years worth of space and billions of creatures on this planet and the sustainer of all of that. That's big. That is huge. And, and, and yet we cozy up to him like it's no big deal. Maybe you don't, but I have. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. We'll get to that in a second. But I want to make sure we have the perspective. It's like God is up on this executive level. And we're just doing our best to get an interview to work with valet parking. You know, I just, I just want to, I just want to get in the building. Yet God's up here, and here Jesus is trying to show us something about the kingdom of God. He's like, hey Nicodemus, if if you like, I could show you the executive level. I, I could take you up there. I could get you in. In fact, I could get you your own key thingy. <laughs> but not yet, not yet, because there's like there's some things you got to do first. If you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born from above. Let's look back at our story. Verse 9. Nicodemus is blown away. I love his sentence. It's all he says. Um, how can this be? How can you get me in? How can you let me be born from above? How can you? A translation. Say what? What are you talking about? Verse 10. Jesus kind of replies back. Nicodemus, you're Israel's teacher. And 
do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, we testify to what we've seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things, and yet you don't believe. How then will you believe if I speak to you of heavenly things? I think that in this follow-up sentence, Jesus speaks to the heart of something that is, is right on the middle of my plate. When I think about the world, because I battle with this in life, we've got all these grand questions for God. Like, God, how, how come you let bad things happen to good people, God? Like, if you're God and you love us, why, why is that true? Why do you let bad things happen to good people? How dare you let that happen? Or, God, if you're real, if you're real, I had someone tell me this about three weeks ago. God, if God is real, will you please just show up and intervene? Come down here and just show us. How hard would it be for you to just stick your hand down here and just do something about all this mess? And, and we get mad at God. And we fuss at him and we turn our backs on him and we're like, come on. I've been in those places. Maybe that's not you. That's me. I've been in all those places. And I've heard people say, you know, if Jesus would just make himself known, if he would just make himself known in the world, people would believe in him. I think that's a fair sentiment. That if he would just show up and intervene in some stuff, maybe, I don't know, call the Today Show and get an interview with Carson Daly. We'll put it on YouTube. They'll put it on Facebook. It'll go viral. Everyone will see Jesus do a miracle on TV. It'll be awesome. But this is what Jesus speaks to in the verse he just said. He said, I did that. I did that. I came here. I intervened. I met with famous people and talked in public. I did miracles. I brought people back to life. I healed people from incurable diseases like leprosy. I made blind people see. I did that. Yet people who saw it still didn't believe. So if we think for a second that if God would just come here and show himself to us in physical form, that the whole world would just be a different place. Jesus said, no. Because the physical things in this world aren't the answer. I want to show you something deeper. Jesus didn't come for our amusement. He came to make us aware of the kingdom of God and the reality that our sin separates us from God. That's why Jesus came. And that he's our only chance to have that relationship fixed. People say, you know, if God is a loving God, why doesn't he just come fix everything? You know, I think that maybe, maybe, if you sat down and had that conversation with Jesus, I think Jesus might say something like, I think I know why you're having a hard time seeing why the world the way is the way it is. You know why? I think it's because no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Maybe, maybe you can't see it. I want to ask you, how deep into the kingdom of God have you looked? Because I think Jesus' reply would be, I am doing something about it. You know how I'm doing something about it? I'm getting to the core of the problem. The fact that because of our sin, we've been separated from God. Jesus says, I'm getting to the core of that. I've provided a way for spiritual renewal, being remade, and give it a try. I think that's what he might say. And that's what he's saying kind of to Nicodemus here. Here's a question, though. Jesus said, I see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. Okay? Now we get to the, the, the real big question. How can I be born again? How? How can I be born again? Is there some physical process I go through? Is it, is it baptism? 
We do baptisms here. If someone becomes a Christian, that one of the first things that we say the Bible says we need to do is be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Is it, is it the water? Well, yeah, that's, that's all a good part of it. But that isn't what being born again is. I love that right after this conversation <laughs> is the most famous verse in the whole Bible. We've been in John chapter 3. At the end of this conversation is John chapter 3. Verse 16. You ever heard of John 3.16? Most famous verse in the whole Bible. It says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God says, you know what? You need to be born again and I got good news. I know a little something about being born from above. Because that's where I came from. And I want to show you the way back. And I've given you this path. And if you want to be born again, here's what you do. You believe in me. You put your faith and your focus in me. You put your decision-making ability in me. You learn more about me by sharing community with one another and having conversations with me in prayer. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes won't perish but have eternal life. You know, Jesus is the answer to the question, what is God going to do about all this? And what I love is that verse 16 is so famous and so popular, but I think maybe one of the most beautiful verses in all the Bible is not John 3, 16, which is very beautiful, but John 3, 17, the next verse. Check this out. This is in the very next verse. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So many times I think that we get this mindset that God is this fear God who his whole goal in life is to send people to hell and laugh as they go. But God's like, no, that's the last thing. I don't send anyone to hell. That's the choice they make. My goal is to get everyone into heaven. I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world through Jesus. You know my favorite thing about God? favorite thing he loves us he loves us god he actually loves us this is the supreme creator and sustainer of the universe the ruler and the authority of billions and of 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 light years of space of billions of creatures on this planet and check this out he's got the time to sit down with an old jewish politician and talk about life. That's Jesus. God loves us. And what he wants more than anything else. Is for us to love him back. What about you? Have you been hearing about this Jesus guy. Like Nicodemus had. I heard about what he did. I heard about what people were saying about him. I got a friend man. He goes to church all the time now. I mean, and, and everything's different about them now. Man, this, this lady I work with. She's just so on fire for God. Like, what, what is going on with them? They're not even the same person anymore. What's happening? And like Nicodemus. You can kind of be like. Hey, look, I, I heard about the things that are happening. Uh, in, in your life. Let's talk about that. And you, and you know what you can talk to them about? What's the kingdom of God look like for you? No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Maybe you've already made Jesus the key to your life. He's got that key thingy. He's given it to you. And you've seen the kingdom. And you're excited about what's happening in this world. Here, here's my question for you. What will you do this week? This week. To sit down 
and have a conversation with someone else that will lead them to a conversation with Jesus. Here's what you can tell them. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's our first conversation. Let's pray. God, you are good and I'm not worthy to sit before you and have a conversation with you. But you say, come on. (laughs) You say, come on, tell me what's on your mind. Tell me what's bothering you. This morning with the volunteers, we looked at the verse where you said, ask and it will be given to you and seek and you'll find it. Knock and the door will be open. You invite us. It's like, I'm have this conversation with you. Lord, as we kind of go into this summer and we've got a lot on our plates, we've got vacations, we've got traveling, we've got different work schedules. Lord, I pray that we take the time to have conversations with you. And if there's anyone in this room today who wants to learn more about that being born again thing, they'll, they'll be bold and have a conversation with someone today. Someone that they came with or a friend that they know they can trust that's here. If they don't know anybody, just that they come to me and say, let's get started. I've got questions. We love you. You're good. We pray in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.